Hey, good morning. It's office hours here early on the West Coast, semi-early on the East Coast. Depends on how hard you can party on a Thursday night. But we're going to party here early Friday morning. You know, there's not enough going on on Friday mornings. That's what I decided. Like I And I also decided, why do they have late night shows for only late night? Why shouldn't they do one in the morning? So we got our, our own kind of David Letterman, Michael Mamola show here. Uh, and anyway, I, if I sound fired up at five in the morning, it's for one reason only, and it's T-A-Y day. That's what I say. And my man, Tay Sweat, he fires me up. His story is so inspirational. But beyond his story being inspirational, he inspired me and also taught me as a young brother of mine now. I just follow him. I listen and uh, try to transcode what he says into middle-aged mutant turtle language so some of the, the elders out there can understand some great wisdom from tay tay sweat welcome to office hours my friend thanks for having me guys glad to be here Good right morning. on well you know you got the stb going which is secure the bag and uh, you have quite a journey so i'm going to start and allow you kind of to tell that unapologetic story of yours uh you know you and I start out our speeches almost the same way, which is, uh, you know, how many of you out there grew up with nothing? And uh, everybody, you know, half of us raise our hand and then we're like, oh, feel sorry for the rest of you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, so you get it, man. Well, give us a little bit of background, you know, how you became, you know, such a great inspiration to so many, especially understanding the the currency of money, the object of energy we put into the flow. You got a, such a great relationship to money now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, man, uh, first of all, that is such a great introduction. Thank you. I don't know if I'm worthy of it. <laughs> I love you. You are worthy. <laughs> but uh, it, it definitely, you know, has a, a really humble beginning, you know, similar to yours, like we uh, talked about. Um, not having a relationship with money at all or even a really poor, I, I consider it a negative relationship with money. Uh, I knew I had to change something. Um my mom was, you know, single mom, raised two boys, you know, made less than $20,000 a year. It was, you know, pretty rough. And as a child, you don't know anything about money. You don't know what poor is. You don't know what rich is. You just kind of live and play to be a child. But as I started to become a young man, I realized, oh, wow, we are poor. You know, there are some things that are different. And I knew at that point I had to develop a new or kind of grow a relationship with money that I didn't have or that I didn't even know. So for me, it, it just came down to a point of one, you know, uh, getting better in health because, you know, kind of like I explained, I was 320 pounds through just not eating correct food. So we were eating fast food and we didn't know anything about health, money, any of that. So as I'm going through this, I guess you can say uh, new genesis I'm having to retrain my brain around what to eat, retrain my brain around how money works. So I'm reading books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and all the books that just kind of change your mindset. And that's kind of what led me to uh, the beginning of my new life, which is what we see now. (laughs) You're securing securing the future and the bag. That's right. (laughs) The great Mike Mamola, man. Man, I relate on so many levels, Tay. Congratulations, number one, two, and three on your journey physically, 
excuse me, emotionally and financially. Mm -hmm. It it just resonates deeply with me. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I grew up the same way, you know, single mother, two kids. She's working three jobs, just trying to get behind. Mm -hmm. It was difficult. And and so I, that everything that you said really touched me. Um, What was it that, because, and I, I, you know, our, our partner, David Moreno always calls me on it with my favorite song, uh, Tupac changes the line in there. We have to change the way we eat. We have to change the way we live. We have to change the way we treat each other. And it sounds like that part resonated with you. Mm-hmm. What was it? What was that awakening that happened? What was that moment where you said, time out, everything is changing. And what triggered that? Because that's what I think a lot of people need to tap into in order to get where you are now. Absolutely. Um, for me, and I, I love that Tupac uh, <laughs> excerpt from the song. I love that. You didn't think you were um, for... with two middle-aged white dudes, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I love that. Um, for me, I would definitely say it was around, I was about 14, 15 when I knew or when I started to kind of put two and two together. And I started looking at the trajectory I was on, and then I started kind of looking fast forward ahead at maybe someone who was 20, 30 years older than me. And I'm noticing, oh, wow, you're dying early at 45, 50, 55 of uh, preventable diseases, uh, diabetes, you know, just things that we can control, hypertension. And then I also looked same thing 20, 30 years ahead. And I'm looking at, hey, what was your education? How many books did you read? I see these people didn't really read for fun didn't really, you know, take that extra uh, leap of faith, didn't really, you know, take their financial health serious at all. (laughs) And I started thinking, well, I'm here now and that's why I'm headed. I got to do everything opposite of that person. So everyone who pretty much was in my circle or pretty much was in my environment that I didn't want to be like (laughs) anyone 20, 30 years older than me, that I didn't like how they were living. I honestly just started doing the opposite of what they were doing, literally. And, you know, as I study kind of your career and you and, and watch, you know, your stuff, one of the, the lessons that just uh, just resonates with me and it, it's about your car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for, for me, I used to tell people, you know, that I, I bought money, bought love and happiness, you know, so I bought a Ferrari and, I bought a Ferrari because I wanted everybody to think I was rich. I wanted every pretty much I, I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the exact opposite that would occur. I, I haven't shared this story, but I'm going to share it with you, Tay. Um, y- years ago, I ran Samsung's uh, phone division, and mm-hmm. it's in the heyday of my arrogance of, of mm-hmm. ignorance, I call it. And, and I, I spoke at uh, Beverly Hills High School. Uh, my oldest niece and nephew had just gotten in there and they had career day and they had asked me to come speak. And, you know, at Beverly Hills High, they don't mess around. They have like Larry King and, you know, ridiculous speakers. And I, I was so excited. So I pull up my Ferrari to the front of the school, park it illegally, come in, I speak all about my relationship with money, which was one of arrogance and scarcity, even though I had a lot of it. And I remember walking to my car and someone saying, oh, yeah, there's that a-hole with the Ferrari. And it it rocked me, man. And so years and years later, I had gone and lost over $100 million, transformed and understood humble ignorance. And uh, I, I, again, was asked to speak. And my, my youngest niece was going to Beverly Hills High. And 
I parked my car in the back where it's supposed to be parked. It, by the way, it was a, a Chevy Volt. It wasn't a Ferrari. <laughs> it wasn't a Ferrari anymore. And I spoke. And when I was leaving, you know, the universe has such a great way of teaching us. I hear some kids say, hey, look, it's the gratitude guy. And I thought to myself, man, I'm one of the richest dudes in the world. So mm -hmm. I meet you and you tell me that you have a Lamborghini. And of course, judgment and condition instantly comes into my mind. And then I say, no, stop, drop and roll. This guy probably has a reason mm -hmm. why he has a Lamborghini different than the reason I had a Ferrari. Because it's not just that money buys love and happiness. It's it allows you to shop. And when you shop for the right things for the right reasons, then that's what creates the happiness. Why the heck do you, a humble dude like you, why would you drive a Lamborghini? That's a great story, man. I, I love that story, by the way. <laughs> um, for me, one of the things that, you know, where we come from, we often look kind of like, you know, I explained, you know, I saw people 20, 30 years ahead of me who were miserable, honestly. And the people who looked like they weren't miserable were doing things that probably weren't the best for our environment. So drug dealers, they had the nice cars, they had the women, they had the things that we wanted as, you know, youth. Um, entertainers, basketball players, you know, like we talked on one of the previous shows, you know, a biggie line that we had was you either make it by selling crack rock or you have a wicked jump shot. That's all we had. So for me, um, one of the things that I, I really wanted to do to reach back to the youth is have those things that they like. So I know shoes and cars were one of the things, you know, two of the things that we love. So when I, you know, I'm out and they see me in the Lamborghini and they go, oh, my God, what do you do? Are you an athlete? I get that first. Right. That's the first thing I get. Are you an athlete? And I go, no. Are you an entertainer? Are you, you know, actor? Do you sing? No. Like, well, what do you do to get a car like that? And I go, I read books and I teach. And that's how I got the car. <laughs> right? We gotta go. We gotta go for Boom. that. One, right? That's, <laughs> that's a right. Great pointer right there, man. <laughs> yes, sir. So for me, it, it was definitely changing the narrative, um, and and getting the youth excited about the potential uh, behind reading, investing. And now they want to actually enrich their minds because they saw someone with the things that they want that did exactly that. Man, I love that. It's it's so powerful to congrats. And I can just imagine the impact that you have that you're aware of, but also the impact that you have that you're, that you're not even aware of. Right. When after you tell that that kid at, you know, the ice cream shop where you pulled up and, and right. he goes home or she goes home and tells their, their brothers and sisters. And all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're like Dave says, you're planting seeds under trees you may never sit under, but creating an entire forest. Incredible. Um, so with all the reading and, and all the studying that you've done and all the mentoring that you've done was I, I know it's probably difficult, but if you can extract one of the single most two-part question, important lessons to obtaining financial freedom and the biggest impediments that people run into in obtaining financial freedom? Oh, great questions. Um, the first one I would say for me, the biggest lesson that I've learned and still continue to lean on the most is the more I learn, the less I realize I know. 
So I have to keep, you know, have to keep moving, right? <laughs> so that for me has been huge because I've often seen <clears throat> individuals who reach um, certain levels. They kind of they feel like they know it all. It's like, oh, I have a degree, or I have, you know, I'm a PhD, and if I haven't heard it, then it doesn't exist. And I, I, I always challenge people: the more you learn, the more you should actually realize that you don't know anything really so keep studying keep learning and anybody can be a teacher no matter how young no matter how old we can learn from pretty much anyone um i would say the second thing that a lot of people kind of trip over or or make as mistakes is kind of leading from that and that's not really taking they don't take serious learning from other people or, or it's especially with some what I've seen with the I guess you can say the traditional educational route once people leave college I often notice they don't seek any further education and that is the number one thing I've seen that just floors people <laughs> that, so true man I, Dave I don't want to can I jump in just to add on for it I think yeah, what real you just, quick because I gotta go yeah. go ahead just so important, man. With every other profession, you see these professionals, doctors, lawyers, whatever, they have to take mm-hmm. these continuing legal educations or continuing. They have to keep up with it so they stay relevant. And like you just said, nobody does that in life for their own businesses, their own lives. Incredible. Yeah, you're right. The CLE side of it. Well, and the reason I, w- I wanted to get to this real quick on is that, you know, you've empowered just in your program with Secure the Bag, you know, creating five to seven figure incomes for people, empowering others to empower others, uh, you know, allowing them to invest in the self with secure the bag, uh, which is STB with Tay.com. You know, you're able to empower them, but you had to do it yourself. I think what gives you the most credibility and the most incredible part of you uh, is how you made that first investment. When you transformed, you decided no more. I'm going to break the energetic and the genetic chain that has plagued my family and my community. And I'm going to do something that people are going to laugh at. They're going to scoff at, they're going to make fun of me. And eventually they'll applaud me because you made one of the biggest investments I've ever heard of, of any person. And I get to, you know, meet a lot of people all day long who invest in themselves, which I believe Mm -hmm. is the greatest investment. Uh, What was that investment that you made in yourself? Ah, one of my favorite stories. Um, so for me, you know, coming from where I come from, you know, we didn't really have the education. So I knew I had to hire somebody or find a way to get someone who understood where I wanted to go and already had it to teach me. So I remember I didn't have the money at the time. I borrowed the money, but I paid five thousand dollars for my first coach. Uh, how did you get that money, me. by the way? Just so people know, how, how did yeah, you get that? Five absolutely. Grand? So um, PayPal. Um, I was a personal trainer at the time and I was running or filtering my sales through PayPal as the um, as I made sales. PayPal would, you know, initiate the sale and they saw, hey, this guy's making money, so we should lend him some. And I often give this out to a lot of my entrepreneurs. This is a great way to get funding with, you know, minimum amount of you know credit check or anything like that. They just look at your performance. If this is what you're bringing in, you should be able to pay this amount of money back of a loan. 
so yeah, I took out a $5,000 loan. Uh, PayPal gave it to me and I literally took all $5,000 and gave it to um, my first business coach. And what happened? And yeah, and literally I went from making about five, six grand a month to about my first $16,000 month uh, that maybe like four months later. And then it just started growing from there. And there you have it. That's why the best investment you can make is in yourself. Imagine how much courage it took to take when, when you're, when you're sitting there living hand to mouth, taking a $5,000 loan to pay for a mentor or a coach, secure the bag, learn from the best, be with the best, surround yourself with the right people, the right ideas, stbwithtay.com, the incredible taste sweat. We still got more shows to put you on, man. You are incredible. Thank you for allowing me to wake up early and make it my day. <laughs> I love Thanks, it. Dad. Thanks for having me. You got it. We love you, man. Thank you, man. Check him Likewise. out. Learn from the best. Take care. <laughs> All right. Taste sweat. Incredible. All right. Now we got the dynamic sharp duo. Yes. Th- there they are. These are two gentlemen that I have talking about investing in yourself. These two guys have invested in themselves. But even more importantly, I've made an investment in them. Uh, because I believe in the jockey uh, and not necessarily just the horse. Uh, co-founder and CEO of Sharp App. And we have both of them here. Kevin Epstein, he's there. Raise your hand in case those that don't know him. And the incredible Jason Mizrahi, uh, who I've been blessed to be around and watch uh, and see the development of the incredible Jason, who's also written a book uh, with Pete Rose, by the way, win daily. This guy knows how to win. He understands uh, a space that everybody should start to understand, which is fantasy and gambling. Welcome to Office Hours, Jason and Kevin. How are you guys doing? Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Good morning, I don't know if we'll be dropping uh, biggie lines and two block lines at eight o'clock in the morning, but I'll try my best, man. <laughs> you can do it, man. Good morning, guys. It's good to be here. Yeah, great hey, to have man. you guys. Well, you know, you guys are sitting in uh, the sports betting and, and fantasy space, uh, which is just continually growing uh, and changing. And with that change comes a necessity to understand how can we best get the best results and have the most fun. I think there's two components, right? But winning's fun and winning daily is even more fun. Uh, but, you know, we can have fun. And, you know, there's some big players in the space. You know, what is Sharp? Uh, dot app about and you know how it, does it distinguish itself from your typical DraftKings or FanDuel or complement DraftKings or FanDuel's yeah so I'll, I'll I'll go over it real quick um, we've been at this for a long time and we've built communities from a fantasy perspective and a sports betting perspective that you know have grown over the past three or four or five years and now with sports betting becoming legal State by state we go. New York will hopefully hop on the bandwagon within the next, you know, six to 12 months. Um, There's a lot of education to be had. You were talking about education with the last guest. A lot of people are going to be walking into this blind and, and, you know, try to visit a sports book on mobile or walking into a sports book and really confused. They want to get some action. They want to get involved. They love the game. And the game is going to be in front of them all day, every day from a sports betting perspective. For what Sharp does, we will educate you on the simplest terms and the most advanced terms on how to bet, how to be a profitable better, and also, like you said, how to be entertained at the same time. Because I feel like a lot of people miss that notion that you can be entertained 
you know, through sports betting and watching the games you love, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, golf. So what Sharp will do is give you the right picks because, like you said, winning is fun. You don't want to be losing all the time. So we'll give you the right picks. We have really sharp minds. And then we also give you the education and entertainment to stay involved on a day-to-day. And we have models to back it up. And we've scoured the country for the best of the best to provide the best information to the community. Jason, that's, that's awesome. And that's, I mean, it's custom tailored for people like me, right. Who've been wanting to get in. I don't bet sports and the barrier to entry for me has been exactly that. I don't know what to do. I don't know when to get in. I don't want to lose money. So what are, and Kevin, nice to see you again too. Um, Hi. Um, What are the things that will help not only people like me, beginners, but others now as a result of technology has because technology's changed so much in the last couple of years. Has it made, will it make things easier for people beyond just sharp.app um, in terms of betting, being able to track things? Are we relying more on technology than we were, you know, 50 years ago, guys would really just, you know, as much as they knew personally, that's what they went off of. Are there things now that can help us more than they could in the past? And will that make it easier for people? Mike, yeah. uh, I would say, you know, it's really amazing what you can do today with the data availability compared to, for example, what sports bettors were doing years ago. And I'll give you one great example. I, I, I speak to a lot of, I would call them old school wise guy types. Um, you know, people have been around and been doing this for a long time. And they tell stories, for example, of runners that they would have in Vegas because prior to the law change, you had to be physically located in Las Vegas, Nevada, in order to place a bet on sports. So they'd have runners running around different sports books trying to get the best lines. So one of the most basic things that we offer that's really, really cool on the app, and it's all things that you'd want as a better. One of them is just the ability to really quickly compare odds across every single sports book in existence. It's just right there in front of you. And nice. what, even just what we've learned assembling the data is that, wow, the sport, they really do have different numbers. They are not the same. So just uh, a lot of what we're doing with the app itself is just really practical tools that anybody who's betting on sports would need because these little differences that you see, um, that's really what the edge was for a lot of um, the old school uh, sharps. And that's what we're bringing to our audience, sort of giving them tools to help them approach sports betting like a sharper better, essentially like a winner. And just to, to interject here, you know, we're going to play a little bit of a game here. Wh- which one of the five of us now on screen do you think just had a new baby girl? <laughs> I, I should have listened to our friend Jason. Should have took your advice at dinner, man. Yeah, he didn't get that baby nurse, huh? for that. He did get the nurse, man. He's dying. Okay. Oh, <laughs> dying. Man. Yeah. Well, congrats on the baby, though. Thanks, yeah. thanks. Happy He's to see a, you guys. Great day, Marino. Welcome uh, to Office Hours. I know you're catching up. You got a question for the Sharp Duo here? Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say is men men and women die, but Wu-Tang is forever, Kevin. I love that. Uh, that <laughs> you know it. Uh, look, you guys are in, in, in one of these spaces that you are either all about it or you know nothing about it, right? Um, the folks that are in the fantasy, they spend so much money to try to get the edge on their league. It's, it's a, a great uniter. I was joking with my wife uh, yesterday, like literally one of the only reasons I speak to guys I went to middle school with is because we've been in this fantasy league for about 
10 to 12 years. In your guys' opinion, where do you see uh, the, the next, next growth sectors in the uh, you know sports betting and, and fantasy space? And what sort of things are you guys working on that, that are changing things? Yeah, I would say a lot of innovation. We're so early in the game and these, these companies are, are fighting for market share. The big boys are out there and it's a good time to get involved because they're giving away a ton of money to get started. You know, so if you're in a legal state right now, you'll get offers of a $500 free bet, a $1,000 free bet, or a bet that's a guarantee to hit. They'll, they'll give you the 76ers plus 76. So they're, they're giving you free ways to win. And we also publish all those offers and we publish the best lines and stuff like that. I think the innovation will come, you know, another couple of years with peer to peer. Like you were just saying, you know, you're trash talking. Same reason I'm in my fancy football leagues. I'm not in it to win $500, $1,000. I'm in it to trash talk with my friends. And I, I bet on everything. So if, we're, if this is a basketball hoop, we'll be shooting for money, whatever the case may be. So I think there'll be a lot of innovation on the peer to peer, a lot of innovation on live betting too. Like right now with the way technology is moving, you can bet on every play, every pitch. It's getting close to that point where – you're going to have more access to bet on new things and new styles of betting um, and fairer betting with better lines and, and more advantage going back to the users. So I think innovation will come along those lines. And I think there's also going to be some event type of betting, not just, hey, you're betting on one game. If you win, you win, you lose, you lose. I think it's going to be more of a competition similar to fantasy where, you know, take a, a week or two weeks or take a, a whole slate of games and whoever can bet the most or bet the best would win a pool of money rather than just win the sports books money. So there's a lot of interesting players coming into the game and we're just here trying to complement, you know, those innovations with our own and, and supplement with the content, the entertainment and the tools to be successful at it. Yeah. You know, I like to not only invest in the jockey, but to the picks and shovels. And I don't know which one of you guys is a pick and which one's a shovel, uh, but I'm, you know, all in when it comes to sharp uh, because I know one thing, and we learned it here on, on this show, you know, if, if uh, you get it for free, uh, then you're, you're the product. Uh, and, you know, there's no more valuable product than a gambler or a fantasy player uh, and the values of the companies that can gather that community and that data around that product uh, are the ones and the people that have platforms uh, like in the NFT space, Creatify, or in this space, Sharp, uh, then we're able to, you know, facilitate, uh, you know, great value in the company by building that community and with the picks and access. How important is your community and how quickly is it growing? Yeah, I mean, the community, I think, is everything. We learn this. And, and David, it speaks to what you mentioned just before about how fantasy football leagues keep friends together. One of our specialties, Jason and mine, that goes back all of these years is all about building the community. Um, it's funny. I'm, I'm going to equate it to something um, a little bit different here that I, I had some involvement with. But, um, you know, there was a company I know that was building uh, sort of a trading model, sort of day trading thing. And they were trying they were calling me up, asking me for advice about building the community around it. And the end point of my advice was, you know, if I'm trading stocks. I'm trading. I want to make money. I don't care about the community. I'm just here to make money. Right. But when it comes to sports and sports betting, there's an entertainment factor 
involved with just the joy of placing a bet and getting to watch a game, for example, with a rooting interest that makes watching tonight's or last night's, you know, horrible game between the Giants, you know, and Washington <laughs> fun to watch. Like I watched that game with enjoy. It's actually a pretty awesome game. But on paper, it didn't look like it would be. So it makes it fun. So what we've done in the daily fantasy space was sort of build these communities where people get to know each other. They get to know you. And we're doing exactly the same thing in the sports betting space. So we don't just have pros that do videos and sort of teach uh, different approaches to sports betting. Those guys are then available. They, they interact with um, the community itself at times. They answer questions. So and then the and then the subscribers that we have as part of this, they start to become friends with each other. They have get together. So it's a really, really cool thing to bring it all together. And we're growing. You know, we only launched about a month ago, August 15th. I mean, to give a a, a percent, we're growing at 100 percent a month. I mean, you know, the growth rates are going to be astronomical right now as we're as we're getting off the ground. We had a huge day yesterday just from downloads and we're we're in this process right now just kind of making sure you know getting our feet underneath us we're right in the beginning stages we have uh, a roadmap going forward of incredible features including again david some of the things you talked about like leaderboards and a little bit of uh adding a little bit of that fun and competition to the whole mix of tracking your bets and sort of following them so uh it's we're just at the beginning of this incredible sort of explosion of what is going to be sports betting in the united states you guarantee congrats congrats guys there's a really? huge value there's a huge value in uh in um the, that that community i think out of all the communities that you know i'm investing in that space has the most value of any if you can get an 18 to 34 year old uh community member in that space uh without anything if you just could build that community there's an extreme value we have kevin epstein and jason mizrahi the co-founders of sharp sharp dot app if you are involved in fantasy betting anything along those lines check these guys out there's a reason i invested there's a reason i'm a part of it uh they are the picks and the shovels in the space building a tremendous community that is educating inspiring and a lot of fun thank you guys both for joining us we'll have you back don't forget to send me that sharp t-shirt kev all right <laughs> i got you all right man thanks guys it's perfect thanks so much Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Have a good guys. day. A good weekend. Bye, guys. Win daily, boys. Win daily. All right. Those are the boys. All right. Here we go. Last but not least here on Office Hours, the early edition. Not only do we have David Marino here, the new dad. What a special treat to get him in here. I didn't think he was going to be here, but thank you for showing up, my man. But we have an author, special media advisor to Hearst Corporation, CEO Roar by Michael Clinton. Michael just released a book about 10 days ago. It's called Roar into the second half of your life before it's too late. And Michael, before I give you my question, I when I was young, there was a guy called Orville Redenbacher. And you know, I haven't been in the popcorn space since you know the smart pops and all that. And he was one of the most inspiring people because I found out, you know, being you know the entrepreneur that I am, that he started his successful company at like 73 years old from indiana right he was and he was a sales what really inspired me was he was a sales guy his whole career and he roared into the second half of his life uh because it's never too late uh and you know i was just wondering what roar meant r-o-a-r uh in because i you know absolutely agree it's never too late to roar 
But what does that mean, Roar? Yeah, no, thank, thank you, thank you for having me with you today. You know, one of the things that I that I uh, observed is if you know you're 50 or you're 60 today and you're healthy, you have a good shot of living to be 90 and maybe even 100. And so, you know, this construct that we were handed about quote retirement is an old idea because as, as you point out, you know, you can, you can start a business in your 60s, you can start a business in your 70s. And so Roar was really uh, a manifesto to find those people who've already done this. So I interviewed about 40 people, uh, all who have done amazing things in midlife point, whether it was starting a new career or launching a new business or launching a new uh, lifestyle or Hey, falling in love at 80, you know, there was this great couple who were in their 100, 104. They were talking about their new relationship. I loved it, right? But the idea of ROAR is it's an acronym. It's sort of a four-step process. R is reimagine yourself before others do it for you because, you know, life happens. You get you get uh, laid off. Your company is, um, is downsized. Your company's acquired. So what's your favorite future look like and have a vision for that? Own, own where you are right now. Let's stop talking about midlife crisis and let's talk about midlife awakening because when you're 45, 50, you, you know a lot about yourself and you know what you like and what you don't like. So kind of own what your good, your good decisions were and your bad decisions were and own your numbers. It's amazing when you talk to people and you say, hey, what's your blood pressure or what's your heart rate? And so many people are clueless to what their you know, fundamental numbers are. So own your numbers, your health numbers, your financial numbers, own your successes and own your failures. The A is the action plan. And, you know, these 40 people talk about their action plans and how they did it. Lots of resources and tools in the book. And then the final R is reassess your relationships. Because if you want to do something that's unique and different, like, like Orville Rittenbacher or Colonel Sanders or others who launch businesses in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, you need the people around you who are going to help you facilitate it, your colleagues, your friends, your family. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a four-step process with a lot of um, – great storytelling and, and tools and resources behind it. So that's sort of the simple answer of what Roar is. Michael, that sounds awesome. And you give, you give my boy Dave Meltzer hope because as we all know, Dave says he's going to live to above 111. And I've been hearing that from him and our good friend, Hill Harper, who came on the podcast with me and said that, you know, everybody's going to live to hundred in the next few years, but no one has really thought about this in a critical way. Well, you know, retirement age has been 65 for so long. Well, what do you do after you're 65? And we've got right. folks right now in the older generation that turn 75 and automatically there's a flip switch in their head where it's like, I'm an old person now. I, I have to stop. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's, it, it's super great what you're doing and great minds think for themselves, but great people do a lot of the same things. What were the commonalities between the stories in, in, in your book? You know, maybe two or three things that every one of those folks did the same uh, that led to this, you know, reimagining themselves, this, this reinventing this, this second stage of life. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I did find some commonalities. You know, one of the things I would say is that. Um, keep score. Sorry. Okay, for the, for the good questions. Um, uh, one of the things I would say is, you know, there was sort of this awareness that they had to be true to themselves, right? And they may have put something on the shelf when they were in their 20s. You know, there's a great story of a guy whose father said, I'm only going to pay for your college education if you study business. And this guy wanted to be in a social work, social justice space. And at 50, 
he sort of had a meltdown. You know, he had a great 25 year career, but he in business. But he said, you know, I'm way off track here. I, I need to get back to what I wanted to do. So he took some time off. He actually went down to Peru and did the ayahuasca ceremony, which you might know. It's like a hallucinogenic drug. And he said he was sitting on a rock naked and he looked across the pond and he saw his 16 year old self and said, hey, I'm so sorry I abandoned you. And so, you know, this idea of going back to your younger self and reclaiming what you gave up is was, was a really important thing. And there are a lot of good examples of that in, in, in the book because you get back on course. Right. And the other thing that um, that I've found is that this takes time to figure out. You just don't decide in, you know, in a week or a weekend. It, you know, a lot of these people put in a year or two thinking about what kind of big course correction they wanted in, in their life. And their their traits were curiosity and optimism and and can do. And, you know, a lot of this was, as you touched on it, uh, David, was is fighting this sort of cultural ageism that we have. That's that's built in because, you know, it's this notion of age appropriate is irrelevant. It should be person appropriate. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can do all sorts of things at at all at all ages. And to your point about the hundred year old, there are about 90,000 of them in America right now. And in 2060, they're going to be almost 500,000 of them. And in 2100, there's projection to be five point three million people, 100. So this life expectancy is going to continue to grow. And to your point, no one's done the critical thinking to what's it going to look like if I'm leaving my first career at, at, at 60, I'm going to have another 30, 40 years. I just can't play golf every day. That's kind of, you know, not going to fulfill me ultimately. So, yeah, a whole rethinking of what it means. That's a long answer. Michael, I love that and that, that whole story behind it. And it touches on my question. You, know, you think about so many people like this who have essentially <clears throat> reinvented themselves, at, you know, in the middle of life and, and. So you stop and think, like, what was it that led them to that path, to that realization? And I'm curious to know if that's something that you also identify is not just the procedural aspect of that, but the substantive. You talked about, you know, a business person going down or a person going down and doing ayahuasca, <clears throat> having that realization and that aha moment takes them on that new journey. Are there things that people do or that you've seen, you know, without short of going to Peru or or, or or wherever to do something like ayahuasca, what is it that they've done to get that awareness to, to say, wait a minute, I'm going to do this. Are there mechanical things that they've done to achieve that level of enlightenment to get them to where they want to go? Yeah. I think one of the answers to that, Mike, is that, you know, there's this, um, you kind of know in your head when you're not satisfied about something and when you're not happy about something, and it keeps gnawing at you, right? Whether it's work or your partner, your relationship or your lifestyle. And I think what happened is um, a lot of these people said, this thing was just in my brain and I couldn't get it out of my head and I had to start doing something about it. So one of the you know practical things is someone would say, well, I, I, th I should really go back and get retooled and, you know, take a course or take a, a, a degree or, you know, go back to school, but I, but I can't afford it. But what, what, we, what a lot of people learn is there's a lot of money out there for adults who want to go back to school, Pell Grants, federal grants. Some states, if you're 60 and older, you go to college for free, um, you know, and that's a whole, you know, you have to do the homework. So uh, a lot of it was finding practical solutions to solve to solve the problem.
And there are a lot of resources out there that uh, we talk about in the book that can help people to, to do that. But I think the, the core question was really, you know, it was in their brain and they couldn't get it out of their brain. <laughs> you know, they had to do something about it. <laughs> you know, uh, Michael, one of the things I was thinking, because we had uh, Taste Sweat on here uh, earlier, and Roar doesn't just, and I don't mean to expand your market because you do have the subtitle of, you know, it, it, don't let it be too late in, in the second half of, of your life. Um, but don't you think that Roar really applies, especially considering how quickly technology changes the landscape in our lives, that Roar applies to everyone? Yeah, no, it's a great, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you can say it, it was a great question. Don't, <laughs> don't stop yourself. But I'm keeping score here, and I didn't give Mike a great question. <laughs> Did Marino so pay you off again? Is that that's why Marino was late. He was Marino reaching was out late. to Michael. He was right. calling Michael. You right. Hey, I'm tell me this is a great question. Right, I'm trying to spread the accolades. Um, you know, I, I, a woman who read the book said, I'm giving this book to my 20 somethings because they've got to start thinking about this now. And also, you know, we changed the words in the book from retire to rewire. So you're always rewiring. Right. And you, if you think about it, you're always rewiring your entire life because life moves forward and you're, you're 30 and you're rewiring for something else and you're 50 and you're rewiring for something else. And, you know, so, yes, it's a, it's really a process that you can use and a, and, a, and a tool you can use for your entire life in terms of how you rewire yourself to adapt to changing conditions, your own life. You know, a lot of it when people when their kids grow up and leave the house, you know, the, the, the mother and the father look at each other and say, you know, who are you? <laughs> we've been so we've been so involved in raising the kids. You know, my own mother, when she was 64 after raising six kids. Um, said, ask my father for a divorce. You know, there were no, there were no other people involved, but she said, Hey, you know, maybe I got 20 good years left and I want to go do that. And you want to go do something else. And, you know, they got divorced and she lived another 20, 25 years doing her thing. And my dad got remarried and did his thing, but that takes courage, um, you know, to do, but she rewired herself after, you know, you know, raising raising the six kids. So it's constant. It's an ever constant process. Yeah. So Hearst, Hearst didn't like the the title rewire because that uh, <laughs> has a much bigger. I love I love that. So uh, anyway, Mikey. Yeah. No, Dave. Do you want to go? No. No. Oh, sorry. Either one of you guys. We got one one yeah, last yeah. question. I have I have a, a one question that I'd love to jump on. Michael, talking about the circle of generosity, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that? Congratulations, and how can we help to get involved in that? Because that seems incredible. Thank you, thank you. Uh, a group of friends and I um, uh, launched this uh, small foundation ten years ago. Our mission is to grant random acts of kindness to individuals and families in need anonymously. We um, you know, we'll pay somebody's rent for six months if they're about to get evicted or we will help, um, you know, in any sort of crisis moment. We've done a lot around natural disasters, um, the Houston floods and New York recently. We also, during the pandemic, made a commitment. Uh, we gave out $100,000 over a year period in food insecurity. Um, and, you know, particularly in underprivileged communities where food is really a, an issue. So we did a lot in the Bronx, which is the hungriest, one of the hungriest neighborhoods in America. But we did a lot around the country and it was food pantries and it was food kitchens and it was direct effect 
And so we, we like to make these, you know, direct contributions. Uh, we like to call ourselves a mighty, mighty little engine that could. Um, and people say, how do you find your recipients? And I say, the universe brings them to us. So, you know, we're always finding there are a lot of people who have a lot of needs. So it's been very rewarding and, you know, hopefully will be a foundation I'll be involved in for the rest of my life. So thank you for asking that. You're welcome. Thank you for roaring into the second half of your own life and rewiring yourself into helping others and being kind to your future self by helping others. The incredible Michael Clinton, RoarByMichaelClinton.com. Check him out. Super author and philanthropist. We appreciate you. Come back and visit us soon, Michael. Thanks so much. Great to be with you guys. Stay well. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. you. (laughs) All right, boys. We made it through. And we have, uh, in about 15 minutes, I have my Friday training early in contingency with what? That's right. The Breakfast of Champions. So we got IG Live, Clubhouse, the webinar going. Over 50,000 people uh, registered uh, for our webinar, which will be at 6 a.m. Pacific time in 15 minutes. So join us on any platform that you like as we uh, will simulcast it everywhere with the Sanford and Son set up here in my office at home. We love it. But before we get to the training on Friday, it's one of my favorite times on Friday. Takeaway of the day, um, David, since you uh, kind of got the second half of the show, I'll let you go first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mine is kind of a shout out to our boys, Mike and, and Ross, because the, the, the two things we spoke about that was consistent with our boys from Sharp and with Mike Clinton with Roar is adaptability. Um, and, and whether you're, you know, a, a tech entrepreneur or, you know, someone in the sports betting space, things are constantly changing. And it's, it's how you adapt to those changes and change who you are, i.e. I, the folks in the Roar book, uh, that's going to lead to your success. You can't always be stuck in your ways. And, you know, there's a lot of things that lead to your success, but be open to change and be open to adapting. I think to me, to me, the takeaway is adaptability today. Mm, love that, man. You know, mine is, it's something that I heard when I was about 19 years old and I, and I reiterated to myself at least weekly and the older I've gotten, the more I've come to understand it. And these guys really hammered it home for me today. And it's simple, but it's profound. And it's wherever you go in life, there you are. And I'm not even sure that I completely understood that when I first learned it. But as the years have gone by, I really understand it. And when you look at Tay and everything that he did, putting it all on the line to invest in himself, to know what his weaknesses were, to know where he wanted to go. And like uh, Jason and Kevin talked about in learning, if people want to get into things, building into themselves the knowledge and the skills and the techniques that they need to, if they want to get into betting and getting into um, things that they're doing with uh, their app. And then Michael, again, you know, at the midpoint of your life, being able to say, wait a minute, time to roar, change, pivot, because wherever you go in life, there you are. You bring with it all of those things that you either have or you don't have. Yeah, those are great takeaways. And I think mine's synergistic to those. Just, a, I think, a different perspective of the same thing that you're talking about, adaptability and change. Uh, and it stems from what resonated most with me is the word rewire. Uh, because in the process of rewire is the conscious continuum. So in order to actually rewire, not just be flexible, adapt, change, whatever, there has to be a... Uh, and Tay represents this the most of all, uh, there has to be a break in the genetic and the energetic chain that you've inherited. I call it the 
genetic and energetic inheritance that we've received that goes beyond the conscious change of getting divorced when you're 64 or a subconscious change of, you know, starting and creating different habits or a habit machine, as I like to say, utilizing the five daily practices. Uh, but most importantly, a genetic and energetic change of inheritance uh, so that the legacy you leave, the seeds that you plant have a different formula in those seeds than the one that you inherited that allowed you to grow uh, and plant, you know, other seeds from the tree that you are. So that energetic and genetic rewiring uh, is so important in our lives, no matter how old we are, whether you're Tay Sweat, who, you know, young as he was, decided, I don't want to die when I'm 40. I'm going to change the way I eat, sleep, live, et cetera. Whether you're Kevin Epstein or Jason Mizrahi uh, with something that's changing in the sports world, the taboo of gambling that now became a complete business and legal in so many different states or someone like our friend Michael Clinton, who's in the second half or hopefully beginning the second half of his life and understanding how to roar. So rewire yourself, everyone. Thank you both so much. I look forward to seeing you guys in 11 minutes on whatever platform you love to be at training, but it's BYOQ. You bring the questions. I'll bring the answers. Thank you so much. Love you both. I'll see you guys soon. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thanks guys. Happy Friday. Awesome. Thank you. All right, everyone. Here we are. <clears throat> it is Friday in about 10 minutes. We'll be uh, on every platform for you. Email me, david at dmeltzer.com if you want those five daily practices or need anything. Uh, uh, my book, ebook, audiobook, I'll be happy to sign a book, send it to you, and pay for shipping anytime. David at dmeltzer.com. You can see the free training that we've done for over 21 years on every platform today Clubhouse, IG, uh, of course, the webinar itself, and Facebook and LinkedIn. Join me, please. Uh, and we'll have some fun. It's BYOQ. You bring the questions, I'll bring the answers. Remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. This is Office Hours with David Meltzer. <laughs>